quasi-journalist and self-hating Jew Katie Halper is hired and then fired from The Hill for her anti-Semitic rant about the Israel-Palestinian conflict, something she clearly knows nothing about. Censored in China, a Jewish book is denied publication in China for supporting communism. You gotta hear this. And the Doodles, Mr. and Mrs. Doodle. He doodles, she colors in the doodles, they're the perfect pair. And now they're living happily ever after in a house that they completely doodled top to bottom. He did the doodling, she decided to stay. This is the Weekly Squeeze. I'm your ridiculously talented and humble host, Hanala Music. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Okay, Yom Kippur is behind us. We can now focus on the Chagim, the Yom Taivim, the Jewish holidays that are around the corner. We have a full week of Shabbos ahead of us. Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, and so on. Everybody is shopping like food is going out of style. Here in Israel, you cannot get a parking spot. You cannot get cottage cheese. That is the latest thing. I was in the store today. I needed cottage cheese. And she's like, N. I'm like, what do you mean N? How could there be no cottage cheese? It's not Erev Shavuos. I need. Co- I have a child who only eats cottage cheese for breakfast. Very, very upsetting. She's like, N. Okay, fantastic. I'm not running around looking for cottage cheese. It's hot. It's crowded. And I have Amir, my Arab grocer guy, delivering my fruits and vegetables in a few hours. I don't even have to go out for that. So if you are listening in Israel and you spotted some cottage cheese, by all means, let me know. Okay. I was very upset this morning because I listened to the Megyn Kelly show. And the first thing I heard coming off of such an incredible, spiritual, meaningful, wonderful Yom Kippur was a Jewish man named Gad Sad, or Gad Sad, talking about how he doesn't keep Yom Kippur, and that's why he is on the Megyn Kelly show today, Yom Kippur, or yesterday, I should say. I'm going to play you that clip, and then I'll tell you what I think. Welcome, Gad. Oh, so good to be with you, Megan. Before we begin, could I just do some spiritual house cleaning? Would that be okay? Let's go for it, yeah. You do realize that today is the highest Jewish holiday where I'm supposed yeah. to be fasting, meditating about my sins, a day of atonement. I have an open channel with God. I rejected God and came on the Megan Kelly show. I'm doomed. <laughs> I'm going through you know, hell forever. I, I knew you'd come because I remember in our first interview, you grew up in Lebanon. You were Jewish. You were raised Jewish. And I'm like, it's Yom Kippur. Can get, but you also told me you were an atheist. You understood the, the importance of religion and, and it subscribed to some of the philosophies of it, but you're not a religious man. Exactly. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, how could you be Jewish and, and be a non-believer? Probably 95% of the historical Jews that you might be able to mention off the top of your head were very Jewish in their identity and they weren't very you know, serious believers. So I think you know, being Jewish is a multi-attribute construct. I share a heritage with the people. I love, as you said, much of the philosophy in, in Jewish uh, thinking. And I can do all that and I can be very Jewish. I mean, no one has lived their Judaism more than I have in Lebanon, right? I had to escape execution because I'm Jewish. And yet yeah. I don't have to worry about, you know, lighting the candle at 721 rather than 722. Otherwise, God is going to be upset with me. So I have kind of a more uh, holistic view of Judaism rather than all the ritualistic parts. Well, that is very sad, Mr. Sad. And yes, his last name is S-A-A-D. He's a YouTuber originally from Lebanon. He talks about all kinds of political issues. And I'm very disappointed in him that he chose to spend Yom Kippur on the air talking about how he doesn't keep Yom Kippur. And no, being persecuted doesn't let you off the hook. You cannot bribe Hashem by saying, well, I had the Jewish experience. I had to flee Lebanon. My grandmother was in the Holocaust. Does that mean she doesn't have to keep religion and she's off the hook? That's not the way it works. Well, I know you think you are an atheist, but every Jew has a pintle Yid, Mr. Sad, and we 
now that we're aware of this situation, we're going to send some shluchim to your house. We're going to send some bachrim to put the fillin on you and change your mind because it's never too late. No matter where you roam, you can always come back home. And then, Mr. Saad, you will be very happy. Instead of sharing the sad truth that you are an atheist who is Mechala Yom Kippur, Bifar Hesya, in public, you will share some happy news that you are a Balchuva now and you're going to be on the weekly squeeze. Just nachas v'shalom on Yom Kippur. And Megan Kelly, you should have said, Oy vavoy. I, I am not supportive of Jews not keeping Yom Kippur. She's a religious woman. She knows how important it is to, to, to be respectful of the Jewish community. I mean, here in Israel, the entire country shuts down. There are no airplanes overhead. Uh, the airport locked its doors for 24 hours. There's not a radio station on. There's not a car in the streets. Yom Kippur is sacred. And no Jew, no Jew, no matter what they believe or don't believe, should be on the air publicly talking about how they don't believe on Yom Kippur. It's heartbreaking. It is. That's right. It's just frustrating to hear Jewish people who are talented and smart and contributing to the conversation, being on the wrong side of the aisle. And that brings me to another self-hating Jew by the name of Katie Halper. Now, Katie Halper was hired by The Hill for their political TV show, their commentary show called The Rising. And after a very short amount of time, basically the same day, (laughs) she was fired. And good riddance, because she is another one of those people who doesn't have her facts straight and continues to be sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, even though there is nothing to be sympathetic about. These are people who made their own bed, and now they are lying in it. And you, my friend, are getting into that anti-Semitic bed with a bunch of terrorists, including Rashida Talib. And this is what Karen Halper said in the video that got her fired from the Hill. She said, I was born in New York City. My great-grandparents were from Eastern Europe. I can move to Israel today, no thanks, buy a house, get a job, travel around with no problem. So could Jake Tapper and Jonathan Greenblatt. But a Palestinian like Rashida Talib can't even visit her family home in what is now Israel. Well, whose fault is that? It's the Palestinians' fault. It's like taking a, a dog that, that is rabid and raging and having to lock them in a kettle until they calm down and stop biting people and, and complaining, well, now this, this dog can't go for walks. Well, whose fault is that? Seriously, I mean, I, I, are people delusional? Are people, like, uh, uh, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. I feel like I'm in The Matrix, and I never even watched The Matrix. And then this foolish, foolish woman continues to brag <laughs> how she's in good company with Mark Lamont Hill, who was fired from CNN for, for calling that Israel be a free Palestine from the river to the sea, which is a battle cry that the Palestinians yell while they're marching in the streets with machine guns, determined to kill and murder every single Jew in this country so that it's completely theirs, by the way. That's exactly what it means. From the river, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine will be free. That doesn't mean we want an airport and a passport. Let's see what other anti-Semites she has in her company. Abby Martin, who was banned from speaking at the University of Georgia after refusing to sign a pledge vowing to not participate in the BDS sanction movement. By the way, the BDS sanction movement is a big flop. Sign, don't sign. All it proves is that you're an anti-Semite who won't be allowed to visit Israel when you decide that you're actually maybe not such a big anti-Semite and you change your mind. Too bad, no backsies. And it gets better. She then writes that Susan Sarandon and Roger Waters, Roger Waters is the biggest anti-Semite. He's the founding member of the Pink Floyd. And at his concerts, 
He displays huge inflatable pigs that descend from the rafters emblazoned with the Star of David and dollar signs and images of Nazi swastikas projected on background screens. Nasty stuff. He's a nasty man. As is Susan Sarandon, who apparently mailed you or emailed you or commented too. She is an anti-Semite. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's never come to Israel. She's never showed support for Israel, ever. She sits and tweets in her big fancy mansion about things she doesn't know about. Ugh. We don't need self-hating Jews. And no, you're not going to hear from Barry Weiss or Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson or other self-professed champions of free speech and open debate because this is not a matter of free speech. This is a matter of an American citizen, a Jew, no less, spreading blood libels that have real concrete repercussions here on the ground to people like me and my children. You don't know what you are talking about. You spread lies without information, without facts. You are whitewashing the crimes of the Palestinians, the relentless terrorism that has no excuse. There is no excuse for terrorism. End of story. I don't care what your excuse is. The whole Palestinian story is one big fat lie. Do you know how many nations around the world have refugees living in their countries that don't have their own countries or their own flag or their own passports? Thousands upon thousands. But do you know about them? No, you don't. Because nobody cares about them. They only care about the Palestinians because they're a bunch of overgrown terrorist babies. And when babies are screaming on top of their lungs in the airport, everybody's staring at them and you just want to shut them up any which way. But the biggest joke of all. The biggest joke of all is that you, you, Katie, you are an enemy to the Palestinians. They would snatch you in three seconds if you wandered into their territory and make barakas out of you. So you could sit there in America and make your TV show and support Palestine and free Palestine from the river to the sea. You don't know what you're talking about. So good for the Hill for firing you. And any American that gets up and speaks on a public forum and supports the Palestinian terrorism should be fired as well because Israel is an ally to America and Israel is the only country in the Middle East that has freedom of speech and that is a proper democracy and that Arabs and Jews are respected alike. Both of them, they're in our schools, in our hospitals and in our universities. Would I like it different? Yes. Would I like them not to be in my face 24 hours a day? Yes. But thanks to you, liberal fanatics who don't know what they're talking about, I have to sit here and hope that my children come home safe from school. My son came home from Shul and Yom Kippur, ran into the house soaking wet, telling me that he, th he saw an Arab on a motorcycle. And he got scared because he saw something shiny and he thought it was a knife, so he ran the whole way home. You want to help the Palestinian people, Katie? then speak up against Hamas and the PLO and the terrorist groups that run their lives and brainwash them and abuse them and murder them for being either informants or not the color of the rainbow that they're supposed to be. And then we have this other guy, Nas Yassin. So he's he was born in Arab, Palestinian descent. He has an Israeli passport, so he describes himself as a Palestinian, Israeli, and he makes these really great videos on Social media, all across social media, has like 50 million people following him. He does these one-minute-long videos. He has courses where other people could learn how to make his videos. And he finally dropped a video on the Arab-Israel conflict. And sure enough, it was ridiculous because his mentality is, we have to come together. We have to come together to stop apartheid. We have to be best friends and sing kumbaya and hug each other and stop calling each other terrorists. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know any terrorists in Beit Shemesh, not even one, not in Yerushalayim, not in Modin, not in Keret Sefer, nowhere. And I've traveled most of this country and I've never, ever met a Jew who murdered an Arab. 
for any reason. I, I've never have. I mean, I'm not talking about the IDF, the Israel Defense Force that defends Israel from terrorism. I'm not talking about the IDF because they're fully entitled to shoot whoever they want if they have knives or guns or bombs headed in our direction. But you, when you start talking about coming together in peace and and da and holding hands, macaroni baloney. It's never going to happen until the terrorists stop being terrorists. Israelis and Jews are not terrorists. We are trying to live in peace. They had an opportunity to have a land and they screwed it up. And now they're being that annoying screaming baby on the airplane. Woof. All right. Who's having a good time? Say me. <laughs> Let's move on to something later, shall we? All right. We are going to talk about something incredible. If you have kids in the room, maybe send them out. This is a grown-up conversation. It's kosher. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, what could be better than a Jewish couple having a baby finally after trying for 20 years? You got to hear the story. 20 years after freezing her ovary, an Israeli woman defrosted part of it, reversed her menopause, got pregnant without IVF, a natural pregnancy, and has now given birth to a healthy baby girl named Eshkar, a word from the Bible that means gift. Wow, 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 wow. Mika Yisrael. I mean, unbelievable. So what happened was she was 20 years old. She found out she had cancer, so she froze her ovary. That means for 20 years, her ovary was in the freezer. Uh, at that time, the idea of transplanting a healthy ovary back into a woman after recovering from cancer was just theoretical. It had never been done before. Then in 2016, a woman in Dubai became the first to give birth to a baby after having her ovary retransplanted. And since then, there have been hundreds more pregnancies worldwide, though none came after an ovary was frozen for two whole decades. Unbelievable. That means her ovary was in liquid nitrogen for two decades and then put back into her womb. And then she became pregnant. When the ovary was put back into her body, it restarted her fertility, even though she was past the age of having children. Wow, 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 wow. Never give up hope. What a story. Okay, you can let your kids back in the room. All right, this is another really beautiful story coming out of Pensacola, Florida where an elderly couple run an Airbnb, Mr. Edith and David Weissman, as Jewish as Jewish can get, run an Airbnb in Pensacola, which is the westernmost city on the uh, Florida panhandle. And who should be there if not for Lubavitcher Bachrim, who rolled in two hours before Shabbos, right before Rosh Hashanah. They asked, of course, if this couple was Jewish, which was pretty much like, duh, <laughs> we are clearly Jewish. But they admitted that they were not affiliated in any way and David only remembered dipping an apple in honey on Passover. <laughs> and the Bachram were like, you're probably remembering Rosh Hashanah, which is starting in an hour. They gave the couple two pieces of honey cake and blessed them for a sweet new year. And then, of course, asked if David had ever had a bar mitzvah. He had never even heard of tefillin, Rachman Litzan. We have so much work to do. At 73 years old, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, choked with emotion, David Weissman put on tefillin for the first time and sang and danced with these Bachrim until 5783 arrived. Wow. Yol Chernovsky, one of the Bachrim says, when he agreed to go on the strip for the Aleph Institute, he had no idea this could even happen. But this whole story happened before they even reached the prison where they were headed to help inspire all kinds of Jews incarcerated over the high holidays. 
Wonderful. Now, if you haven't yet listened to the episode from Monday, you are missing out on such a great show. I had the non-Jewish nanny. She was absolutely adorable. I had Kayla Goldstein talking about her book, Questioning the Answers. So go back to episode 49 and enjoy that following this little shorter, you know, Erev Yom Tif Shabbos, Yom Tif and Shabbos episode. <laughs> This week's episode of the Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Just Bread and Butter. It's Erev Yomtev here in Israel, and there are children all over the country that don't have fresh food in their fridge. There's no wick, there's no food stamps. An Israeli kid whose parents don't have enough money to feed their children, well, they're going to go to school hungry. And that's why a special fund was established to raise the money to supply bread butter, milk, and eggs to needy families. Bread and butter families receive one 100 shekel voucher per child every month to be exchanged for milk, eggs, bread, and butter. Bread and butter reimburses the stores for using those vouchers, and this simple method allows parents to maintain their dignity when shopping just like everybody else. There are so many ways to help. You can sponsor a child for a month, a family of 10 children for a month, a family of 10 children for a year, or any amount that you could afford. The link is in the show notes. Donate now, www.justbreadandbutter.org. Now, I hope by now your sukkah is up. My husband was on the ball. The sukkah was up a half an hour after Yom Kippur was over. We had to put it on our bigger porch instead of on our front porch because the person responsible for measuring the porch might have made a mistake. That would be me. But it's fine. We have plenty of porches to go around. Our sukkah's up, and we are ready to rock and roll. I hope it's not going to be too hot. I know as a Floridian, we weren't embarrassed to have a massive air conditioning in, in our sukkah. Not that it did any good, but we definitely felt cooler if we were the ones sitting right in front of it. But around the world, depending on the weather, the sukkah's experience is a little bit different. You could have air conditioning in Florida, and you could have a heater in Canada. And in England, well, you're just out of luck because there it's hot or cold, it's fissure raining. But to see Israel's porches full of sukkahs, it's just an amazing sight. In Israel, people actually buy apartments because of its sukkah capabilities. That means if there's no porch where you can make a sukkah, you ain't buying that apartment. And you could see it. You could see it in the from neighborhoods where the sukkah porches are staggered. And in the secular neighborhoods, they're on top of each other, making them not feasible for a sukkah. My brother-in-law, who lives in Tel Aviv, he had to fight with the board like crazy to make a two-by-two sukkah because his apartment, which cost a fortune, doesn't have a porch that has an actual open roof. It's a closed porch. So he's dealing with that and making a tiny sukkah, despite the fact that they're afraid it's going to ruin the aesthetics of this fancy Tel Aviv condominium. But besides Tel Aviv and that particular condo, Israel goes crazy for tzukis. I mean, kishutim, decorations. They are everywhere in every single store. There are massive tents set up where you can buy all your kishutim in one spot. People spend a small fortune on decorations. I personally grew up Chabad. We didn't sleep in the sukkah and we didn't decorate the sukkah. But now I live in Israel and decorating the sukkah is all the fun. I mean, that's what my kids look forward to. They bring home decorations from school. And despite the fact that I throw everything away, all my kids' projects, I do keep their sukkah decorations from year to year because they're really pretty. We don't sleep in the sukkah, though. That's We decided to stick with the Chabad minhag in that respect. <laughs> I'm not swapping no mattresses onto my porch. Do you know what the pigeons have done on that porch? 
Also, Kratzmach decorations are very popular, especially in the ultra-Orthodox communities where they don't know what Kratzmach lights are. So little twinkling lights are a great way to decorate your sukkah. If you're on a budget and you just need a little pizzazz, <laughs> it's a good thing you don't have to dress up on sukkahs because then you'd have little Hasidish kids dressed up as Santa Clauses <laughs> in their sukkah covered with Kratzmach lights. But, you know, we don't have to tell them. Another popular thing here in Israel are these very um, super cool sukkahs that are part of the apartments where the roof just kind of lifts off like a skylight. You just open the skylight and you throw some schach on top and voila. Then, of course, there's all the different customs. Everybody has different minhagim, what they put in their sukkah, what they don't put in their sukkah, from the Moroccans who hang up Eliyahu's chair, bring out all their rugs. I mean, they just turn their sukkah into a little Bedouin tent, so... That's their vibe. And then there's Instagram. The Instagram sukkah. I wonder if it'll happen this year. The first year that I was busy with Instagram, I made an Instagram sukkah. What does that mean? That means I'm crazy. That means I'm insane. That means that I painted macaronis. I spray painted them pink to chain them and hang them up in my sukkah. And then I added colorful lights and who knows? I don't know what I was doing. It ended up being this hippy-dippy tie-dye freestyle sukkah. And the kids were excited and everything, but between me and you, I'm very happy putting up my kids' decorations and a couple other fun posters. But Instagram sukkahs are very exciting, especially if you got yourself a Yaeli Vogel poster or some other sukkah mural that the Instagram influencers are hawking. But between me and you, keep it simple. Let your kids stick on the walls. Whatever they want. I'm in charge of the food anyway. And that's not going so well. My husband's like, what am I eating after the fast? I'm like, what? You need to eat after the fast too? <laughs> True story. I have another true story for you. There is a guy in London. His name is Sam Cox, and he fulfilled his childhood dream by transforming his home into a quirky work of art and covering it every inch, including the toilet, with doodles. Every inch of this 13-room mansion in Kent is covered in black and white doodles, the sheets, the toilet seats, the cooking utilities, the lampshades, the computer mouse, everything. There is no surface left blank. And now I'm thinking, maybe I should doodle my sukkah. That is such a good idea. Huh. By the way, he is married. His wife is amazing. <laughs> she let him color all over their house. He's like a well-known artist and everything. Um, but yeah, it took two years. He uses a weatherproof paint. He also doodled his Tesla car. Um, his house is black and white. He lives there with his wife, Mrs. Doodle. <laughs> it took 900 liters of white paint, 400 cans of black spray paint, and 286 bottles of black drawing paint. And he also went through 2,296 pen nibs for the doodles. Well, my favorite thing is that he's married to Mrs. Doodles. And Mrs. Doodles does the coloring in for him. So he does the black and white doodles, and she colors them in, and then she sells the artwork. I love this. This this could not be a better shidduch. He does the black and white, she does the color, and they both live happily ever, doodly after. What a world we live in. You could literally become famous for just doodling your entire house. My mother once doodled her shaitel chair. It's still there, and it's all doodled, and it's pretty cool. So if you want to have a small doodle experience... <laughs> Go get your wig washed and set by Faggy Felig in Miami Beach. By the way, my podcast is now on YouTube. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, that's something I want to see. Well, go down to my show notes, click on the link, and then every week you can listen to my podcast and then listen to it again with a slideshow. And you can see what I'm talking about because I hook you up in every way possible. I'm a feast for the senses, for your ears, for your eyes, and your funny bone.
All right, and now for a little segment I like to call Random Things You Need to Be Updated About. Here we go. Dolly Oziel, still pregnant, did not have her baby yet. You will hear about it, I promise. Miami Voice Choir is still on the tip of everybody's tongue. Rolling Stones did an article about them. Uh, CNN today dropped an article about them. I love how they think they got an exclusive. I got an exclusive. Hananya Begun spoke to me before he spoke to CNN. Okay, CNN? Just just so you know who's boss. Also, Bibi Netanyahu is feeling better. He was in the hospital for a minute, but he's out running, looking great. Also, Maishi Kleinerman. We still don't know where he is. Such a bizarre story. Still on the top of my mind. Where that kid is, I don't know. Nobody seems to have a clue. But one thing's for sure. If he was my kid and they find him and he was out there having a good time or just too busy to call, I would give him such a parpetch. I don't care how old he is. Wherever he is, he should be safely returned to his distraught parents. Also, Black Lives Matter, by the way, is completely over. Like, we're not saying that anymore. Now we're saying White Lives Matter. Candace from The Daily Wire and what's-his-face, uh, Kim Kardashian's husband, new um, 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 the, the, Kanye, Kanye West. <laughs> they showed up at a fashion show in Paris wearing White Lives Matter t-shirts. Yes, wearing identical White Lives Matter t-shirts. So I guess that's where we're at. I want Jewish Lives Matter t-shirts. That's what I want. I want Jewish Lives Matter t-shirts. As a matter of fact, I should start manufacturing them and selling them here on the podcast. Another thing that you need to know is that Ben Shapiro has a beard. He is wearing a beard. And it's it's a look. It is a look. And considering he's the man who coined the phrase, facts don't care about your feelings, I won't tell you my feeling <laughs> on his beard. <laughs> it's just a feeling and he doesn't care. The fact is he has a beard. The feelings, well, we'll leave that to his wife. And that's all the Jewish news tidbits you never knew you needed to know. And the last story of the day is that China bans printing of Hasidic woman's memoir for being anti communist. So basically, China has refused to publish a Hasidic woman's memoir about living under Soviet rule, declaring it anti-communist. 1010 Printing, based in Hong Kong, has been due to print the late Shula Kazin's account of her struggles to live a Jewish life in communist Russia in September. But then, almost a month later, China's general administration of press and publication handed down its final decision about the Queen of Cleveland, and they said, unfortunately, this book is not approved to print in China as content involves anti-communist. So they have to print it outside of China. Well, good riddance. Print it here. My father-in-law has a printing press. He'll print it for you. But yes, China censors books, people, and speech. So lucky for us that we don't live in China. Well, this only proves that everything she wrote in the book was true <laughs> and that the Jews were persecuted in the Soviet. But Mr. Zaklikowski is not going to censor his book like other people did. There are two pr- British publishers that alter the contents of their book to appease Chinese censors. Passages about Taiwan, a country whose government China considers illegitimate, were removed. So as a reference to dissident Chinese artist A.Y.Y. In any case, Mr. Zaklikowski is not taking out one word from this book. He's going to print the book in Singapore. So there you go, China. Take that. He says they will never win. Well, that's the Weekly Squeeze for today. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful holiday with your family. However you celebrate, wherever you celebrate. Thank you for sharing the podcast and making the show so popular. I'm honored and thrilled to see the growth of the Weekly Squeeze. Don't be embarrassed. Drop me a five-star rating. I'll be more than happy to read it on the air. We love feedback on the show. So if I say something that gets you all hot and bothered, by all means, send me an email. Send me an Instagram message. 
Tell me what you think about the show. And if it's keeping you entertained and keeping you happy, I want to hear about that too. Have a wonderful week. I will see you next Thursday.